On today's episode of Discologist, we're spinning killer new tracks from the Dead Tongues new album Dust, looking back at a masterful take on Arthur Russell's music by Peter Broderick and friends, and diving deep into the magical worlds created by Alabaster Plume on his latest masterpiece, Gold. Step into the light, fellow music lovers. It's going to be fine. is not look is not getting tidier um, and things are getting uh, if anything messier which is why it's so nice to have records like the one we're going to talk about today as we yeah. do like a hard pivot from from the body and the hierarchy of needs of like food and shelter all the way to tending to the spirit yes yes it um, does yeah, yeah yeah i mean and it's uh it's like so that's that's a good enough lead in a good enough rant so uh, we do have a great show for you today we're talking about uh alabaster de plumes upcoming album or new album it's out today uh called gold uh i believe it's his fifth album we're gonna verify that in one of these breaks here uh and we'll say more about that later that's a, i mean this is good that's a big conversation but i realized a lot of the songs we're bringing this are kind of themed and we're now getting out of like january february when there's no albums coming out and now there's a shit ton of albums coming out uh and uh luckily there's a lot of them that are that are good. There's a lot of them that are actually in my wheelhouse, I think in your wheelhouse. So I'm going to kick, kick us off today with a track of somebody that uh, I honestly, every, I think every time we do this uh, with Ryan Gustafson's work, The Dead Tongues, like it, it feels like cheating because we never like do a full review of the album. But to that I say, how can you fully just review an album that's just honestly basically perfect every time? His output with the Dead Tongues is so like comfortably in my lane, but it's so comfortably in the lane of good folk rock. Uh, it's informed. He was he, he played with Phil Cook. He played in Hillskill Messenger. He is North Carolina. It's it's informed by all that stuff. Uh, he is a, a an immeasurable talent. Uh, and if you see him, like you see him open for Phil, and it was just like, who is this kid? <laughs> um, he's. Yeah. Just amazing. Uh, he has a new album coming out called Dust, uh, and this is the first song from it called Pawn Shop Dollar Bills. Thank you. 
So Eduardo, how does that make you feel? I um I am such a sucker for um you know the the when you construct a thought of like if I could wish for one more thing it would be for something with mm-hmm. with a person uh which I think is how that song ends and um uh that um that leaves me with feelings um that that uh, <laughs> I really like that that I got I got the um the full spectrum of uh that kind of uh black crows ish uh sort of really really well done um kind of roots rock for lack of a better term like it feels really like organic and 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 clean yeah. and 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 natural and um what a great what a great song you said it's eight minutes long yeah yeah, it, yeah, yeah 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 the song, song, yeah song, wow. the song's about eight minutes long and uh you know to me it feels like a lot of bob weir's work on um uh blue mountain uh, yeah. This is this is done at uh, Sylvanesso's studio, Betty's. Okay. Uh, Joe Westerlin is on drums. Uh, members of Mountain Man are are singing in the backup band, uh, as it were, mm. and um, and it's out on the Psychic Hotline label. So, you know they they're growing things. This, but yeah, this really the the Bob Weir almost a, a dead vibe to it. Um, yeah, and, super. And the lyrics are super evocative too. Yeah, um, and he and that's always been yeah. his trick that you have to. You, you, you're immediately comfortable, but then you're like, wait, there's a lot going on in this song. Uh, what's wild yeah. about this is that he uh, basically wanted to quit music and uh, and did for a while during the pandemic and then just was like, okay, I think I'm going to do this again, knock this out, and so I think he said about nine days. And and it plays like it. Uh, it is It is no stronger or weaker than any of his other albums because all of them are strong. And and for people who haven't heard Ryan's work in the Dead Tongues, uh, that is the takeaway I, I need you to have here: is that like you can pull any record in this guy's catalog, and it's that strong. I and uh, like I don't know when he's gonna get his full like due, but it's coming. Yeah, because that is just yeah, absolutely that. outstanding work. No, I really, I really like that, and I, I need to spend more time with this catalog because yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not read up on it. But, uh, but that was really nice. Yeah. So what'd you got? Uh, I'm gonna try to keep us in, um, in, in a kind of arty space here. Um, um, we're gonna listen to uh, a cover of an Arthur Russell song by Peter Broderick, and if you don't know who Arthur Russell is, just just stop listening to the podcast and go find out who he is because that's more important than what you're about to hear. Maybe not really. Um, Arthur Russell was 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 just uh, uh, it's just impossible to to explain his life um, simply um, other than to say that he n- knew everyone who was cool and alive while he was alive. He was clearly a genius and just an incredible uh, creative spirit. And Peter Broderick. Um, who is a uh who's a um i think uh oregon born um uh musician and who has is one of those guys who's sort of quietly been involved in a lot of projects that you and i like kevin so yeah. he was uh you know he's played with laura gibson um oh, he's wow. done collaborations with niels from um he you know he's been in uh, a number of uh touring acts and and uh and you know, we all likely saw him. Uh, he he put together a, a a set of Arthur Russell covers for a festival in Europe, and it was so successful that that it sort of became a thing in high demand, and they ultimately committed it to record. And um, this is it's there's no single song that like captures the spirit of the record. It's a really beautiful, lovely, quiet, thoughtful, conceptual thing. The reason I like this number is because it's built on repetition and simple melodies, and I think that's that you know it, it, it's just ethereal enough to work really well alongside the main course tonight. So this is losing my taste for the nightlife. Now I'm heading for nothing. There's no more fun. Driving down through the pines What I'm doing I did before And that's all I see Driving, driving 60 miles I'm looking for something I don't want to do 
doing this because we don't talk to each other about this but that's like a really good companion to not just the alabaster <laughs> to bloom but the dead tongues i mean that, that's a bill yeah. i want to see um yes I, oh my god yes i'm actually not familiar at all with arthur russell's work aside from the name uh what i love most about that and and songs that i'm invariably attracted to the most is the instrumentation isn't complex there's i mean it's there's a there's there's a lot going on but it's not drawing attention to it and instead it's just complementing exactly what the words need to be you know the idea of being a ritual nightlife is uh relevant uh these days (laughs) but but uh you know seem like that it's it's sort of like a sad existence. Like I, I could have been at the Alabaster to Plume show, and instead, I'm, you know, uh, were I'm you not sitting. were you not losing your taste for the nightlife? But yeah. maybe you're not. Maybe that's what the repetition means. Is that you know maybe you're losing a little bit of it, but there's still a lot of taste for it. Yeah, yeah, it could be. But that's um, what's the, what's the rest of that uh, that record like that that's from? Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. It's all I mean, the entire album is just so tasteful. Um, the song after this is like a very gentle, loving ska tune is the best way I can put it. It's just to give you a sense of like how unpredictable it is. Huh. And it's it's so it's recorded in such a gentle way that um, you find yourself immediately like drawn in by it. It's this. I, I find this record to be just a huge achievement. Um, so it was a, it was nice to get to plug it here too. It's out, right? 
It is, yeah. Or, or, it came or, or out it in, this out. is like a 2018 or 2019 release, I think. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. If we can... You know, start putting together bills of people. <laughs> there are there are two remaining copies of it on vinyl on Bandcamp right now. I just want to say there are about to be one remaining copies of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I picked up uh, Ryan's. Ryan, he's got oh, there's only 350 of Ryan's record, so Ooh, may, now there's 349 because <laughs> I got one earlier today. So maybe there's about to be 348. There's some uh, people, and and I'm talking to. Publicists a little bit, but also just people in general. You know, we almost always buy what we talk about. When when you talk about yeah. supporting music, like this is not. I had somebody offer to send me uh, some vinyl recently, and I was like, "Don't do that." You know that that. I mean, I understand it's built into an artist budget and whatnot, but uh, if I like it, I'll buy it. I mean, yeah. And that's what you should do too. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, this is not. You know, we can we can get free concert tickets, but we still pay for concerts, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, don't I even mean, get me started on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got an offer for 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 a list spot at Cactus Club, and I honestly don't know what they would. I don't know they would know what to do with a list. <laughs> just be like, <laughs> just be like, don't do that. Don't do that. If it's a big uh, ass show, uh, which you know, thank you to uh, for to Shorefire. Uh, they did get compass ticks to uh, Bob Weir at the Riverside here in Milwaukee. Cool. Uh, you can see that coverage up on the site. But you know that's something where like Bob Weir might have enough in the in the coffer at this point. So it didn't feel quite bad about that. But uh, at any rate, uh, that's a whole other podcast we're going to do with Mauricio sometime. The the ethics of live music yes. coverage and all that. Oh, I I'm so excited to hear that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh it'll be controversial, I think. Um, but <laughs> uh, man, those are two great tracks. Uh, and a t- lead in to what we're about to talk about, Alabaster Plumes Gold. So we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, um, we're gonna talk about my favorite album of the year. How about that?
that is a little of the track I'm Good at Not Crying. It was a, uh, I think they just put out a video for that of one uh, Alabaster de Plume. His real name is Gus Fairburn, Fairbairn, excuse me, uh, from, from Manchester. Uh, he uh, put out an album last year that I think is, or two years ago, that I think is roundly understood to have been, uh, to have saved a lot of people like emotionally in the pandemic. One of one of the great bombs of the of the yeah. pandemic was uh was to Cyan Lee. Yeah. And um if you talk to somebody who knows that album, like the first thing out of their mouth is gonna be, Oh my god. Yeah. Like it it, it just yeah. they're, they're tone their tone changes. Yeah. 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 The minute when you when you meet someone and they know that, you're suddenly like, Oh, I'm talking to a different person than I than I realized. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And uh and we're gonna talk about what type of person maybe, I think. Uh Based in London, uh, it's on Debt Records, which is no more, but that was more like a musical movement. Um, started in about 2012. He was in a bunch of bands when he was younger, but then 2012 he landed after some uh, philandering across the countryside uh, in, in a place that sounds like essentially just like a group band house, a group hippie home sort of, uh, taught himself to play saxophone because he wanted to get in on these jam sessions that people were having in the front room. Um, and obviously has a talent for it, but I think more is talent and it shows up like just, it's a massive part of this record is for arrangement and for understanding the community of music. You know, if, you know, for somebody like I think if you put him and Phil Cook in, in the same room, the universe would just like explode or it would just like realize its potential. I don't, I don't know which I kind of wanted to get Phil on this episode because I don't know what he thinks of this stuff, but um, his music is, is a mix of, of jazz. Uh, and we can talk about what kind of jazz uh, poetry um, capturing, you know, bands are always trying to capture that live sound. That every single track that he's ever done feels like you are there eventually. You know, it's yeah. you, you are there for an event. Some of the albums, 2015's Peach, uh, is built around like a communal dinner that's meant to like help people out and stuff. And and he performed it and put together this band. Some of the band was people at the dinner, just like <laughs> eating, wow. you know, singing. Yeah. So you know, he he understands. Uh, I think what it means. Uh, to be a human and, and in many ways, what humans need for nourishment. Uh, and, and it's, it's not a trick. I, I was joking with you earlier offline. Like, you know, if, if Alabaster de Plume like had a cult, would I be in it? And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe I, I am, um, but he, he just, there's something about him that, that feels right. And, it, it's backed up by the art he produces. Agreed and well said. And mm. I think we are in his cult. Um, okay. I think this is what happens uh, when you're in uh, the cult. I, you know, it's it was striking to me um, thinking about that chosen name, um, which is to combine something that is essentially translucent mm-hmm. Um as his first name and then have the surname be sort of a reference to fake names, yeah. which is just such a great kind of, uh, uh, conceptual, uh, play. Um, I, you know, this, so I did not know, um, and I still don't know, frankly, his, his work before the international anthem releases. Um, what I, what I, what really stands out to me about, uh, the last record and, and, and this one is, um, is the the composition and yeah. how um, you have these you know some of that is is his unique playing style which is kind of breathy and reedy in like a sort of Ben Webster kind of way almost but um, with with phrases that are almost like like plaintive or kind of w- like whimpers maybe and they there's yeah. a way in which they kind of pull the music in a direction, you know, on that, on the, on the opener on this one, you know, he's playing sort of short phrases that are kind of pulling the music up ultimately into like a grander, 
sort of higher in pitch, you know, they, it, it, it helps escalate um, the piece. But what's what's interesting is these moments, too, where it's just so quiet and there's so much restraint around mm-hmm. how different instruments are used. And then what really surprised me about this one was just, and I think I texted you on my first, you know, walk, listen to this, which was there are a lot of words on this record. I was not expecting yeah. to hear that many words uh, from him. And there is a lot of, there's a lot of, talking there's a lot that there's a lot of ideas that are expressed uh verbally and and not just in 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 musical ways and i think um part of where um and then i'll I'll land this plane part of part of where this uh this song really kind of unlocks part of the manifesto here is the idea of um you know this album seems to be about um, how the world is trying to make you forget or deny an essential, uh, an essential source of strength and an essential source of light within you. Um, and that in doing so, it kind of estranges you from your own humanity and that of others. Right. And so, uh, some songs ask a question, do you know a human being when you see one and what are the consequences of having failed to recognize someone's full humanity in this one? And, you know, maybe I'm thinking about this just because I, I, I'm, going through a crying phase of my life. But when I see, when I see that title, I just think who would brag about being good at not crying? It's such an essential, like when you need to cry, it's such an essential human activity. And that's, and that's, I think part of, part of what the song is, is driving at that, you know, we're, we're, we're so removed from our kind of fundamental usness that we would, we would brag about the extent to which we can suppress something real and true that we ought to let out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, it is, it is kind of a, it's almost a little joke, you know, because you get into the song and it's yeah. like, of course I'm good at not crying. Right. Like, I want you all to cry right now, almost like scream therapy. Um, you know, a lot of that comes from his work. All these are done around a place in London called Total Refreshment Center, um, which is like an art space, uh, communal vibe type of thing. And uh, all of this is based on his work there. He used to work with uh, young adults who had learning difficulties, and uh, and I'm not I, I don't know specifically if they said what kind of, but it kind of feels like autism, uh, people on the spectrum like that, and okay. and because there's a lot of problems with autistic kids and socializing and everything, and he would work with them to socialize by doing like very basic things, like just sitting two of them together to sing, or even like they said taking them on a drive in a car or a walk. Uh, or or giving him an instrument, you know, to play, um, and and yeah. and that uh, that experience alone, I think, can inform you as like your place in 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 your role, like as a human being. But it, it definitely like gets into like all the music he's doing. I want to do another track. This is gonna be a track heavy one because they're they're fucking great. Um, <laughs> but a, a, a track along those lines. Uh, is this song called Don't Forget Your Precious. And to your point, what you were talking about, there's a lot of his work that is about the evils of capitalism and what's mm-hmm. what that's done to us. And not in a way like reject it for the natural world necessarily either. You know, it's just like figure out like your humanity, how you fit in there. Um, which is something, and maybe that's why the Cyan Lee resonated so much, because people had to do that, right? You yeah. could surround yourself with stuff, but also, like, that wasn't going to help anymore. Like, you couldn't, like, really share that right. stuff with other people. This one, though, uh, is just a masterpiece of, of poetry and a song, uh, and it just listen to what he's saying, and, and if you don't bust out laughing... Uh, I'll buy you a copy of this album. <laughs> so here's Don't Forget Don't Your Precious from uh, Alvester Diplom. Don't forget your precious. I remember my pin number. I remember my ex's email address, but I forget that I'm precious. I remember my national insurance. I remember the way they Gonna remind you every time Don't forget your precious 
German word for calculator. Then goes one verse, and then just says the German word for calculator. It just says it. Yeah, because yeah. it just popped up. It's it's it it feels stream of consciousness. It's very especially if you see it on paper. It's very very planned out. Uh, that is, you know, there's a quote uh, from him. He's about like mayhem and chaos about this. Uh, it's the method of of making this album was part of the mission. It, the, he said it wasn't like school. We had mayhem. We were having fun. That that is the story and the process, and I want to live that way. And then he goes on to say, one of the things that's key to my practice is destroying the idea of correct. For songs like this and every song on the album, he invited random sets of musicians over to the Total Refreshment Center. They had a session. They didn't really teach him the songs. Like you don't have time to do it; just like play it, and then like recorded them all, mapped them out on this massive, like almost like a piano roll. And cut them together later in the studio, and nobody could listen back to it and like figure out like, oh, is my part this? Is my part this? And that and that like that's a as a professional musician that requires so much trust from the people you're working with. Yeah, you know, it's 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 such a it's such a different you know. There's there's sort of um, I'm thinking of like the William Burroughs writing, yeah, Naked Lunch, right? Where very much it was just sort of non-linear and people would have to come in and try to figure out a sequence for it um it's and that's called that's the uh, cut up method yes yes um and this 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 feels you know every every track feel like it feels like you've walked in on a band playing and they don't even know that you're in the room necessarily right and they're just sort of like working their way through through something that they know very well because it feels earthy it feels organic it feels comfortable um, and so to know how much uh, of the unknown was kind of factored into this to get that effect is really is really kind of a thrill, I think. Um, and it's it also, you know, this is another song that I think serves as a little bit of a manifesto for the for the whole record, just from the standpoint of, you know, not only is it important uh, for you to remember your self-worth um, just as you do other much less important things, but ultimately, the reason for that is is what he says at the end, right? They can't they can't beat us and they can't use us if we don't forget we're precious, right? We can't be used by others if we know that we have self worth. And it's really interesting to have those to have those ideas um, in the same song leading into fucking let them, which is <laughs> which is sort of which is where we start to get a little bit into like the Max Roach posture here of just like uh you know come come get it if you want if you if you want it for me if you want to take something for me come get it right love and say fucking let them fucking let them you and celebrate I am brazen like a baby like the stupid son and I go forward in the courage of my love later 
that that song is amazing because it uh, it works like it just starts off with that phrase like fucking let them right yeah but then it yeah. works into almost like a boogie yeah it yeah. <laughs> just goes with that jittery wa- quality too yeah. yeah and and that's something um when he gets into that there's there's a lot of uh you know, we were talking about this in mid lake uh, english vibes of stuff one of them one of the big ones for me is also is the attitude uh, of john lennon um that he put off that mm-hmm. I, I think you know that that confidence but also uh very real like fear at times and and just being like almost like I don't want to be the one to lead you, but somebody has got to. Um, and 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 that's that's can be toxic or not. In, in Lennon's case, obviously, like in his actual life, that that proved to be kind of toxic. <laughs> yeah. But but you, you know the 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 he's he's exhorting people. You know the 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 idea of um, I forget how it's phrased, but sort of go go forward in the courage of your love or something like that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. And. Yeah. And the idea that, um, the most, the most, you know, you have the most precious thing a human can give another, which is love. And, and it's, it's a gift that works unlike any other gift because, um, it doesn't matter if the receiver, uh, reciprocates, if they match it, or even if they're aware of it. Um, and if they want it, you know, the point is giving, giving love is, is just the highest and most sacred thing. Uh, we can do for others. And so, and so that, that to me kind of solves a little bit of that, you know, is he, um, is he, is he leading me into a cult or is he encouraging me to understand myself, uh, better? And is he trying to, to help me bring out the thing in me that I think makes me, me? Yeah. And and that's a, that's a, that's, that's the real, the real question of it. Um, you know, you, uh, you hear something like fucking let them and you know, you, you fight. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to like, yeah, re- ready, ready to, to, and, to and he wouldn't yeah. advocate for that except for, you know, if it was to protect love, um, not Oscar style, yeah. but, uh, you know, the, uh, there's something, yeah, it took you a second to get that. It did, it did. It did. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's something almost, quasi religious about this um we've talked about on this podcast like i i'm an uh, atheist uh i don't i haven't really talked with you about anything like that but like i think you're on the same wavelength um i'm i'm, I'm not i'm i'm not a theist <laughs> um, so um i'm i'm an atheist yeah <laughs> but but i think we both have respect for for faith um, yeah. and, and faith in the right thing. And people will say, how can you decide the right thing? Oh, I think loving people is, is okay. I mean, that, I think we can all agree. Uh, I'm, I'm in fact now an ordained minister of the universal life church, um, oh. in order to perform a wedding. And, um, what? and that's literally, that's literally the core belief of the church is just that we're here and we're given a chance to love another person <laughs> and the universal life church, uh, makes ministers, so that they can uh, help people love one another. I have to call you Reverend now. I have a, I have a clergy uh, name badge that I can start <laughs> wearing to the. <laughs> I man, we're getting off on a, on a little tangent. Um, you know, with, with the, on that John Lennon thing vibe and the confident yeah, cocky thing, there's also a lot of humor uh, in this. Uh, I want to play a little of this song uh, just because I love it so much. It, it is almost nonsensical. But it's a list of like sort of pain, um, and then you know what? How do you feel on a scale of one to ten? And uh, his answer is this: Imagine I made an On a scale of one to ten I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 
to say seven, and that track has shades of uh, of Leonard Cohen, Suzanne. Um, you know, and this is this is where the record starts to get really interesting because it starts to hit on the actual pop notes that you recognize. Um, the if if you follow the methodology of how this record was created, you know, it's it sounds exactly like they were sitting in that room like, oh, what the fuck is he doing now? Yeah, <laughs> and, and and they get to like, oh, yeah. he's saying, you know, just like cue him up, like. Now you just sing behind me. I'm gonna say seven, and yeah. it, it gives this ethereal uh, quality to his music. I, I, I've joked about this with people. This is uh, Afterlife Core. Uh, this is like this is the yeah. movie. This is this is the music that you can imagine hearing on a death trip. Um, which is super heavy, but at the same time, if if you believe like after is 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 or the whole process of life is love, then I hope it feels good on the way out. <laughs> it yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because it because it kind of feels to me like um, the idea of um, you know how people are saying uh, that the one of the sort of self help truisms of the of the of the pandemic has been. You know that that trip you wanted to do that thing you've been you've been mm-hmm. waiting to for the right time like just go do it now because there may never be a time right mm-hmm. um, do it do it while you're here and and what this feels like to me is that sort of like afterlife type wisdom and advice that's being presented and packaged very much for the living and it's the idea of trying to kind of break through that that membrane that separates uh, the afterlife from life life to say you know. Um, there's uh, like I'm I'm thinking of the line. Um, it's in I will not be safe. Maybe mm-hmm. the the sort of uh, I'll you know I'll be naked like water. It's the best place to be. It's the worst place to be. Um, you, you know, again, dr- just dr- just drawing on my recent experience of um, right change of employment status and separation and a divorce and just a lot of big life changes i've i've often found myself thinking like i'm 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 in the best place for me to be right now and i'm also in the worst place for me to be and frankly i have nothing to lose and so i'm you know the, the idea that yeah that you you want to move now you want to say the things now you want to be brave now because you may not have a chance to be brave later is really really persuasive to me and, and i feel uh yeah, I, and I, I definitely feel that uh, for you, I I do feel when a lot of times when stuff like that is presented, it is as if there are no consequences at all. Um, which in right. phil- philosophically speaking, they're not. You're gonna die, so whatever you right. know you, <laughs> and and that's coming from somebody who almost did. So like it's gonna right. it's, it's gonna happen. Um, you might dodge a bullet like me, but maybe you won't. But but also I I think one thing that's beautiful about this and one thing that I took out from my experience was that you know th- acknowledging the bad stuff is completely a part of this. Yes. You know if if you're living and you're just living for the good stuff, you're not doing it right. Which doesn't mean you should dwell on bad stuff but you you at least need to you, you need to learn how to process it and understand it and how it fits into not just you but how it also affects other people you yeah. know I, I i remember and there's rights and wrongs about this but I, I remember uh two weeks after heart surgery one week after uh leaving the hospital i had steely dan tickets and I was going to fucking see Steely Dan. Right. And every single member of my family was like, you're crazy. Your head's like all messed up. And like, you think you're a god because you survived. And it's like, no, I mean, none of that and all of that is true. Um, you know, our egos are, I, I think, especially men uh, are way bigger than anybody is willing to admit. Because <laughs> yeah, it just looks yeah. bad, but it, it's what you do with it. And I, my answer to that was just like, one of my best friends is going to take me. He's going to help me walk into this venue. We have seats. 
uh, I'm going to drink a bourbon and ginger and I'm going to watch Steely Dan play Asia. And I did. And it was magical. And now I can't see oh, Steely yeah. Dan anymore because right. Walter Becker, right. is, you know, and which isn't, right. which isn't like to say there's some sort of, um, divinity or, or destiny associated with that. Like you have to do it now. It's just like, that's actually how it played out. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how comfortable I would have been had I just not done that right now. I've been like, Oh, I never saw Steely Dan. Yeah. Well, from, from someone who didn't see Steely Dan, I yeah. think you made, the, I think you made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And, and, you yeah. know, so so it's it's stuff like that acknowledging um just being present and total in like the life and i think that's what why his music works um i, I don't know if it's conscious for him uh this gets deep into like human psychology like he's doing a lot of like Ethiopian jazz. He's doing a lot of like you said simple rhythms. Uh his first album yeah. is listed on, on iTunes as lullabies. And, oh, you know, wow. lullabies are for, for children, for babies yeah. um, who can recognize all these sounds and they recognize patterns and they mean something. And, and we're still trying to figure out, like, what all that means. Um, and and I suspect, uh, hopefully we have a chance to talk to him about this, but I suspect, like, he just picked up on the fact that what he was making was triggering these responses in people. It doesn't quite know like why but it's part of his ego and part of his ethos it's like you know what i can do this therefore i should well and the and the and the way he uses um words on this record i think really yeah. creates a different a little bit of a different mood it allows more room for maybe a kind of self-reflection like like again on the on the do you know a human being when you see one song i think he's sort of in conversation with himself and saying i've i've denied someone's humanity am i you know am i a monster you know i don't think i am yet but but you tell me um and i think that that's that's a very um you know that's that's the idea that that these big important weighty questions coexist with needing to remember your national health insurance number um, that, you know, that, uh, people in Ukraine are locked in an existential fight for their continued existence. And, right. uh, you know, I'm wondering if the store has bread, um, and if they don't, I'm going to be annoyed. I mean, these, these great, you know, great, uh, incredible transcendent things and small mundane, uh, completely forgettable things are sharing the same space all of the time. They're coexisting and, and they're always part of each other's uh, world and I think he's, he's he's found a really good way to kind of bring it all together into this um, into this thoughtful plane. That song in particular uh, is is pretty gutting um, because it's something that people tend to not do. Uh, I mean, if you don't question yourself, uh, and this is sound like we're being like anti toxic male woke, and we're not at all. Like this is just like. I, I'm almost 50. You're in your 40s. This is living. You learn how to live and, mm -hmm. and be a meat sack with a brain uh, over that time. And, and you learn that you're, you have consequences. Um, and you do forget that you're precious. Uh, yep. And that song in particular is something that I know I need to work on, but everybody should work on. Like sometimes you just have to ask somebody, am I being a monster? Even a small thing. Like yeah. if you're just deciding everything in your head for you and that's how it is, like, yeah, you're a monster. <laughs> like you're also an asshole, but but you know, but but yeah, it's just the idea that like so much there is so much that you can't convey to people, but so much of our existence depends on sharing that with other people to the point that we feel comfortable. Yeah. No. Yeah, I I want to sort of wrap this up with a, a song. I mentioned the pop stuff. Uh, the final song on this album, Now, it's uh, it's now parentheses Pink Triangle Blue Valley. Uh, first time I heard it, uh, and this ties into the Angloness of his work. I was like, this is Pink Floyd. Uh, it's a fantastic track. We're going to play a little of it and come back and talk about it, but. 
this was something I did not expect to hear ever from him. But it's part of, it has to be part of, like, his experience. has to be part of, like, the people around him. Like, it, they're English, first of all. Like, Pink Floyd is not an insignificant English band, you know? Right. Uh, and, uh, and they mean something very different to Brits, to be yeah. quite honest. Um, and uh, so I want to play a little of this and uh, come back and we're going to wrap this up. Here's now Pink Triangle Blue Valley. into like it's a mix for me of old like uh obscured by clouds like the vibe stuff the more soundtrack uh it, it's definitely not quite there and and some of the stuff that gilmore did on division bell and uh on an island uh yeah. and and it just to hear that guitar come in that it's it's slide but you there's a lot of like ratty acoustic guitar on this record but none of that yeah and yeah. then it comes in and, and you're all you're just completely transported into some other zone and it's just like where have you been hiding yeah. this yeah um i haven't you know i haven't had a chance to really kind of think through the entire sequence of the record but it's but it's occurring to me now that the opening track has a portuguese title a gente acaba Vente Rosa, yeah. which means we come we come to an end um is what the first phrase means uh, you know, we finish or we come to an end and then it's wind, uh, in rose, um, or wind in pink. And, um, I don't, I'm not quite sure how that connects to now being the end of the album, but I, right. it, it, but there's some, there's something, there's something there. I think I, I can tell you if you, and this, this is cheap because you can do this with almost any album, but it works really well with this one. If you just put it on the repeat, it like, it works. You don't so know well. where, where the. It yeah, just stops yeah. and it's just like, you know, all of a sudden you're just sort of like living in it. Um, happened in the basement a few times. Well, we've, we've been, we've been preparing for this for so long that I, I was, I had to like double check because I didn't believe that I didn't have this final yet. And then I remembered it's not, it's yeah. not out. Well, I mean, it's, it's out today, but you know, yeah. it's, it's uh, not out when we're recording this. Um, and I'm really, really excited to have this physical object on my shelf. Yeah, it's it's gonna. I, I just picked up a Harold Bud uh, reissue. Um, mm. It's gonna sit alongside stuff like that. Uh, a lot of people have said this is ambient music, and I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say one way or the other. I think if you like ambient music, then you're gonna like this. Uh, it's also, again, it's not. It's 
this is the the free jazz that I like. Uh, but I think people are really into free jazz that uh, they they might not love it because there is structure to it. Yeah, like this this yeah, is this, absolutely composed. Yeah, it's not. This is not dissonant. It's not freewheeling. Mm-hmm. Um, it it reminds me of like old and new dreams or some of the ECM releases that. Um, like Dewey Redman and, and kind yeah, of, other, you yeah. know, that there's a sort of like, it's like half, it's halfway between classical and jazz in some way. And it's certainly not connected yeah. to what most people think of as like the West London jazz scene right now with like Ill Considered and Nubia Garcia and kind of all of, all of the acts coming out of there. This is, this is a whole, this is a totally different strain. Even though Danalog is a communist coming is like, he did a video for that. Like they, they're all, they're all around that total refreshment center. Yeah. Wow. Like so. Cool. Yeah, it is, and it and it and, and to see what it's producing and the different kind of stuff, like like you mentioned, uh, Dubai Garcia and stuff. To understand the difference between that and this, and and know that it came from kind of the same place, that people aren't uh, afraid to. Usually, you see a scene like that, and and everything ends up sounding kind of the same. Um, yeah. There's a, uh, uh, and I guess one of the bands is no long, longer, but uh, Black Midi. And uh, Black Country New Road, uh, their singer just quit. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to that, they they form a band that they play gigs at, together with. And if you listen to both records, uh, they're both great, but they're very similar. Uh, Black Country New Road doesn't get quite as aggressive as Black Midi. I don't know that anybody could, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, it's it's uh, so to see this as just sort of the a color on the spectrum of what London right now, anything jazz tinged has to offer is, is, is it's stunning and it's a, it's a gift and it's, you know, even, I, even by way of uh, Manchester, right. He's a, he's a Mancunian, yeah. I, yeah. I believe. Yeah. 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 And, and like, I, I was reading something, I don't know the whole story about like debt records, but apparently, like I said, they started on that. Um, and, developed to the point that they were putting out stuff, his stuff, a lot of other people's. And then they forgot like that. They really just started to be like a scene. So now they're, they're, they're more of a scene as well. Um, they, they said they're oh, not putting out any more records, but the, they're not going away. Um, gotcha. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I, huh. I want to, um, unless you have any last thoughts on this, I, I want to end this by like giving people their props for playing on this. Uh, which is because we have that information available to us. Um, and every one of these names is look up their work. It's worth your time to like explore it. Uh, they're amazing musicians and they're musicians that you're going to hear about like in like the decades to come. Uh, Cause this is as far as I'm concerned, this is like the future of stuff you've got. And excuse me for pronunciations. Uh, Fale Nioke on voice and percussion. Uh, Rosie Plain on guitar. Sarathe Karwar on drums and tabla. Uh, Tom Skinner on drums. Kenichi Iwasa on percussion. James Howard on guitar. Tom Herbert on double bass. Natalie Pela on voice. Rosa Slade on voice. Ellie Condren on voice. Louisa Gerstein on voice. Matt Webb on double bass. Michael Chestnut on synths. Ursula Russell on drums. Conrad Singh on guitar. Hannah Miller on cello and voice, Donna Thompson on voice, Patty Steer on synths and percussion, Danalog on of Comet is Coming on voice and synths, Matthew Bourne on piano, and Dilip Harris on small clone and mimeophone. Every single one of those people should stand up and take a bow. This is fucking remarkable work. Um, and obviously, like, Alabaster de Plume on tenor sax, guitar, synths, and voice. And then I want to read the, the, the refrain that... Uh, anchors the album uh it shows up on the first song but it shows up throughout the entire album and i think it's the point of this uh and this is just a poem he wrote he says i have all i need for the glory of being i recognize you and celebrate i am brazen like a baby like the stupid son and i go forward in the courage of my love and that that's that's what it's all about so uh go out and get that and uh We'll be listening to it, and uh, next time, next time you come up to Milwaukee, or next time I come to DC, we'll have a little uh, sesh. Either one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we are out of here. Good awesome. seeing you, and uh, we'll talk to you in a few weeks. 
Discolored Discolored